Great. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Steph. I'm one of the pastors here. And um, so you've probably picked up, if you've been listening during the singing, one or two of the contributions made reference to a conference. I think about 40 of us from the church have been at over the last few days. 500 people gathered in Norwich um, as part of our um, biannual relational mission conference. Relational mission is the name of the family of churches that we're part of. It really was a superb time. Um, it's so hard, you can imagine, to try and sum up three days of um, being sort of locked in with God together and, and the impact that that has. Um, so probably the best way we're going to do that is by saying, look, there's a book that's come out called Relational Mission, A Way of Life. And um, it really is a good book. I've had the um, privilege of being able to read the manuscript. And um, we would love to just give, give one to everyone. So... Um, if you would like one of these books, um, if you want, they, they, they retail at £5, so if you want to put £5 into the offering, so I just spat on one, sorry, so you won't want this one. <laughs> this can be our one, darling. Um, so, uh, <laughs> um, say that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that's true, but thanks anyway. Um, <clears throat> so... Uh, if you want to, if you just maybe stick a fiver in the offering, if you haven't got a fiver, don't worry, just take one. But we really would love you to have this. Please only come and get one if you're going to read it. So if you're going to come and get it, you're going to read it. Um, it's really worth reading, and it will give you a sense of the values, the things that are really important to us as a, as a family of churches. So um, here they are. Come on up. Come and grab one. Okay. Has everyone got one who wanted one? We've got about eight left, so... Um, well, I'm sure there's always people away, so if people aren't here, they can come. Um, if you want to put a fiver in the, uh, there'll be a pot at the Like to Know More table if you want to put a fiver in for yours. Uh, if you haven't got any money on you, just um, do it next time in the offering. Uh, if you haven't got any money, full stop, then have it as a gift. Um, great. Are you ready? Yes. Going to speak from the Bible. Now, um, this is the last in a series. Next week, we're starting a series on Daniel. We'll be in the book of Daniel, June, July, August. Um, so this is the last in our series <clears> on <throat> what we've called Running Partners. What's Running Partners? Well, here's the deal. What we are as a church is a lot more than um, a building. As you can tell, we haven't even got a building. Okay, So I hope we are. I hope the church is more than a building because if so, we're in big trouble because we're in a secondary school every week. So we can't be that. So it's a people but it's more than just the people that gather to a, an event on a Sunday. It's a community of people who belong to Christ and belong to one another. It's very, very profound, very meaningful. It's costly. It's not casual. There's a sense in which we are covenantally joined to one another in Christ. Now, we, we, we learn over time how to lay down our lives for one another, modelled on the way Jesus laid down his life for us. We're a, we're a gospel community. We're a people gathered around Jesus and the good news. That's what we are. And so what we're constantly grappling with is, well, what does it look like to really live that out? Because Jesus said, when you love one another in the way that I've loved you, then the world will realise you're really my disciples. It will have an impact on the world. It doesn't mean that everyone in the world will say, now I want to become a Christian. But it will, the impact will be people will look on and say, that's the real thing. Some people will run a mile. <laughs> it's just too challenging or too whatever. But other people will say, this is the real thing I, I really want to know. And so we're constantly trying to work out, well, what does it look like by God's spirit to learn how to really live that Jesus-centered life together? 
So it has to be a lot more than coming to a meeting on a Sunday. Um, as good as that is, as good as that is, um, what, what the Lord is calling us to is, is, a, is a depth of connection and community with one another um, that, that leads to real spiritual growth. Like real spiritual growth where, where we are, where the Holy Spirit is using one another to help each of us grow more and more into the image of Jesus, which is what God's plan is, right? You've got to understand what God's plan is primarily. Sometimes people think God's plan is primarily to get me the dream job or get me the dream husband or wife or get me the dream kids or the dream life. And that's not God's primary plan. His primary plan is to restore his image in you, to, 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 to restore you back to glory, which is what you were made for. And when we understand that, then we can handle it when things happen in life that are surprising, difficult, pressurizing, because we realize God's main aim in life is not to make my life easy, but God's main aim in life is to restore his glory in me. And because we're fallen and we've, you know, we've all got things in us that are not right and out of kilter, what, being restored back into his glory is not an easy process. You have to walk through what the Bible describes as like, it's a bit like fire. And what happens is, is that fire purifies what God is doing, what God is working, the faith that God has put in you. But at the same time, the stuff in you that's not good comes to the surface. It's like when you put a bar of gold or when you put gold in the fire. To get pure gold, it has to go through the fire seven times. And what happens in that process is the dross, the stuff that's not gold, through the fire, it comes to the surface so that it can be cleaned off and it becomes more and more pure. When you go through spiritually through the fires of, you know, just the pressures of life and things that God allows and things that sometimes God brings that are not easy, the dross comes out and you think, oh, look at me, you know, and you think, oh, oh, oh have I, has it all gone wrong? Do I really know God at all? No, no, no. God always knew that was in you, but he still loves you. And he's still committed to you. And he still gave his one and only son to die for you, even though he knows, he knows the darkness that's in us much more than we do. But then as we go through those fires, then what happens is, is that all that it comes to the surface and we're like, oh Lord, what are we going to do? And he's like, I'm going to clean it off you and keep purifying you. And so we've realized through the Bible that a lot of the way that happens is, is that we that we that we we are, God uses one another to help one another. And so we call that in this church um, running partners. So what we do is, is that we, we, we organize together to, to meet in small groups of sort of like, um, sort of ideally sort of three to five. Sometimes it's two, but we've said that's a little bit of a marriage, probably a bit more healthy to have three and upwards. Um, three to five and, and to, to meet and to help one another grow in Jesus. And we've been looking at what that looks like. And so I'm going to just, I, I, we're on the last one of the series. We've deliberately been videoing them because we want the sermons to be used as a resource as we all work out together how to have the healthiest running partnerships imaginable. When you go out in London parks and London, Hampstead Heath and places like that, you see that what is a really big deal now is personal training. You, you can't get away from people being put through their paces by someone else um, or by people in... Um, military trousers shouting and screaming at them. I mean, it's great fun to watch. It's, it's pretty painful to do. But what you see is people have come to these things with an intent. They want to they want to grow in a certain way or they want to get fit or they, they, there's an intentionality about, I don't want to be in the same shape in six months' time. And as a result, put me through my paces. And there's something of that about what we're doing on a spiritual level. So it's not imposed. This we, That's not how we operate. It's not imposed. It's saying, look, has the Holy Spirit inspired us to want to actually spiritually grow? In which case, why don't we get together and learn how to really help one another? 
um, and say, well, where do you want to grow in God? Do you want to learn how to pray more effectively? Do you really do you want to learn how to read the Bible in a consistent way so you're getting nourished? Do you want to learn how to stop hiding your Jesus light in the world? Walk out of timidity and fear and really be who you are outside of the four walls of the church, then let's help one another with that. So, so that's what we've been looking at. And today is the last one in the series. I just want to look at maybe just, it's a little bit grape shot. It's a bit like, look, here's just some things that need to be said before we sort of go on our way with this. And so I'll make a few comments at the, at the start. And then the second half will just be, here's, here are the core components of here's what we do. Here's what we do when we gather. And a few, a few things on that. And bring some scriptures in and trust that God will, God will help us to make sense of it. So... The first thing to say is that we've said to people, look, meet with those who run at a similar pace as you. Um, there's nothing more demoralizing than on a physical level meeting with someone who's way ahead of you or way behind you. You think this is we're not doing this together. So we're saying look, meet, we meet with people that are probably going to run at a similar kind of pace. Um, and in, in that sense, it's quite mutual. It's quite mutual. So you don't necessarily need a, need a leader. Okay. So on that, now they're probably always in any group that gathers, someone's a bit more leadery. Do you know what I mean? Someone's a bit more of an initiator, a bit more vocal. That's fine. But what we're saying is in these running partners, please don't default to that person having to do all the running. It's just not healthy. It's not on. It just creates passivity in the others. If someone's a bit more vocal or a bit more of a leader naturally, fine, no problem. But this is something that you gather together to do. And even if you're not that leadery type, I'm, I'm sure you'll have things to bring into the mix. Maybe you're really creative and you'll have fresh ideas. Why don't we do this over this next month? And it would really bring fresh life to what you're doing. Maybe you're just someone who's really methodical and you'll say, no, you know what? I really think it's important that the things we're praying for, we keep a record and we see God answering and the things we say we want to grow in, we're keeping a record. I really want to monitor here. That's a wonderful gift to bring into the mix. So think about what am I bringing in here? You might not be a, a natural leader, but what are you bringing and, and let, that, let that be known. That's really helpful. Really, really good. Another thing to say is if, because running partners are quite mutual, that means that actually in our, in our church structure, it's not always mo- very natural to kind of know where can I find those who are na- obviously ahead of me spiritually so I can just receive and where can I help those who are a little way behind so I can help. You see, it sounds a bit clinical, but all of us have in our lives three kinds of relationships. I think you know, one of the ways they describe it, it does sound a bit clinical, but they call them ABC relationships. And basically the idea is this. It's healthy for everyone to have in their life some A relationships, relationships where you're primarily receiving. You just know, you know, this person's not expecting much from me, <laughs> but I'm, I go to them and they just really help me. That's really important to have that. It's important to have B relationships where there's a mutuality, there's give and take. That's what running partners are. And then C relationships is where you're helping people. You're primarily the giver. Now, we structure in running partners as a church, so Bs will, will, will be there. A relationships and C relationships are not structured in, so you've got to find them. Okay, It's important that you find them. Find people in church that you think, I see something in them that I admire, that I want to know, I want to grow into, and then find them and say, can I just have some time with you? Because I've seen the way you pray and I want to pray like that. Or just, to be honest, you just inspire me in God and I want to find out, tell me your secret. It hasn't got to be like a lifelong relationship, but it could just be that you just say, maybe every now and then we could just have a coffee and just speak to me, download. Just take initiative, find the people like that. Also, and this one's a little bit more delicate because it can come across wrong, but if, you, if God puts someone on your heart that you just feel, I really want to take them under my wing, then pray about that. And um, it, you know, if you feel God's really confirming that and that seems like a good thing, then it may be appropriate at certain times to just say, do you know what, I'd, I'd just 
maybe I could just um, encourage you. Um, I'd love to get a coffee and just encourage you in this area, something God's shown me. And it can be a bit difficult because obviously the fear is <laughs> that you say to someone, I really want to you know, help you in this way, and they look at you like, you what? You know, and it all gets a bit tricky. But, you know, that's life. Um, we get it wrong sometimes. But, you know, I think it's important that we do have that kind of older brother, older sister, mother and father in heart for people. And sometimes, I, you know, I can be so busy thinking, oh, they, you know, if I offered to help them, they might think I'm really arrogant. And they're sitting there crying out thinking, why won't they help me? You know, and you can get this kind of paralysis. Someone has to be bold and make the step. So I'm just saying we've got, to, we've got to be aware of that in the way that we've set up church because we're setting up around the B relationships where there's give and take in running partners. So please, let's just be aware uh, beyond that. Um, also, just to say, uh, a running partnership is, which will have a life cycle. It's an organism. It's not an organisation. We are not an organisation. We have to organise, but we're an organism. We are, living, we are a living thing that has come together. We are the body of Christ, the members of Jesus Christ. Okay? It's an organism. And so probably it's a good idea to have a life cycle for a running partnership. Say maybe let's look to meet together and over a year and maybe like, you know, hopefully we'll grow, God will add to us, and then we can multiply. That's, prob- that's probably quite a healthy thing. You might say, but over this year, this person's become my best friend. Great, they can still be your best friend. But running partners isn't about friendship, it's about fellowship. So you haven't got to say, oh, I can't be your friend anymore. Like, no, it's crazy. Of course you can. Friends are friends, right? You just hang out with friends, don't you? You just hang out with friends. But, but you, you, the thing is, is if you get locked into that, but you're my best friend now, then people that are just coming to know Jesus and coming to learn how to be a disciple and it's all new to them, they can't find their way into any healthy money partnerships. How are they going to grow? So we want to have that big heart where we say, it's good to multiply now so we can draw others in and we can have a, be a growing community. That's a healthy thing. It's important that we that we maybe look at that and, and not find ourselves locked into kind of a lifelong deal. It's not always the healthiest thing. So what do we do when we gather together? Well, first we pray. We learn how to pray. This is the best setting to learn how to pray. Running partners. So you've got to think through where we're going to meet. Because McDonald's may not be the best place to pray. Now, some people are bold, aren't they? They, have a, they don't care where they are. They'll pray their hearts out. Fine. If you're not like that, you've got to think through where we're going to pray. Where are we going to meet? How are we going to do this? Homes are brilliant if, if, it, if it works. Sometimes you find some of those lovely sort of Catholic church buildings open throughout the day, maybe near where you work. That's great, obviously, for praying. But it's so important that you do not, when you, when you gather in running partners, that you give time to praying. That's where the action is. Prayer is where the action is. Otherwise, you end up, you end up with a talking shop. It's good to talk. We need to talk. It's great to talk and great to connect. But, you know, when we then take that to God, things happen. Things happen. So it's really important that we think through how are we going to make sure that prayer remains central here? And sometimes you have to be a little bit clinical and say, look, we've got an hour and we want to talk, but we've got to call it you know, halfway through because we want to pray. We don't want to just do a little two minute thing at the end. We want to get hold of God together and see God move in power. I mean, God answers prayer, folks. He really does. He re- please, whatever you do, don't get into that mentality of, no, he doesn't. Because if you were to give yourself to prayer, you would see that he does. He is faithful to his promises. He really is. But so often we don't actually apply it and just assume it doesn't work. Let's pray. And I think it's a great idea to monitor what have we prayed for and where has God answered. And you just look at what these, these things you're ticking off, ticking off, ticking off. It's wonderful. Really great. So make sure that you're giving time to pray. Jesus said in, in, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, here's a promise. This is great for, for running partners. He says, um, 
If two or three of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. There's a synergy when we come together in prayer on a heart-level agreement when we seek his kingdom. God loves that and loves to respond to that. I mean, what a promise. What an invitation that is to gather and pray. So I think it's really important that we are praying and we're praying with all of our hearts and that we're being watchful. The Bible says, be watchful in prayer. What does that mean? You probably heard the phrase watch and pray. What does it mean? It means it means you pray and you're expectant what's God now going to do. So you're looking. Someone's watching, they're expectant. That really glorifies God. It really, really does. Because it means you, you trust him. You trust he's going to fulfill his promises. If you sort of say, yeah, pray, we've done that, and we'll see what will happen. <laughs> well, what's God's promised? God said. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Now, of course, there's conditions around that. Of course, there are. The way that we're living does affect the effectiveness of our prayers. Yes, the things we're asking for do matter. It does matter what you're asking for. You're asking for something crazy. You're asking for someone that's going to half kill you. He's a good father. He's not going to give you that. So you've got, you know, we've got to use our heads. But I tell you, the, 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 the promises are broad and expansive. Really, really broad and expansive. And we've got to take God at his word in those things. We must guard prayer. It's normally the first thing to go. And when we pray together, we learn to prophesy. Because you're praying, you learn to hear God. When you're praying, God begins to, as you're praying, you find, God, as I'm praying, God's just, this scripture's coming to mind as I'm praying for this for you. And it turns out it's the Holy Spirit. It's highlighting something. Or you just see in like a prophetic image or a picture. Or you just think, God's given me some words to say to you. It's a great setting to learn how to prophesy. Praying together. I want to urge you to pray. When you gather, pray. Don't just talk. Um, secondly, talk. It's good to talk. And particularly around this thing, what we would call accountability. Now, it can be a bit of a dirty word because if it's done badly, it's really horrible. Um, so let's just unpack a little bit what accountability is. Accountability is basically this. It's that you help me, I help you. So, for example, imagine you, we're in running partners and you say, Steph, where do you want to grow? And I say, do you know what? I just, I just feel that for whatever reason, I, I'm not really talking about Jesus to people that don't yet know him. It's not happening. And I really want to more and more. Okay? Now, what can happen is, is we can all go, amen, yes, Lord, and pray. But then if next week no one says, how are you doing on that? Right? If no one says that, then what happens is, is it just kind of drops off my radar. If someone says, how's that going? And then I say, do you know what? It hasn't really happened at all. Then a good accountability relationship can say, why don't we explore why? Not just, oh, let's try hard. Why don't we explore why? And we begin to get beneath the surface. And it could be anything from something really external like, I am way too stupidly busy to do anything. But I don't want to, actually maybe something in my heart, I actually, is wrong, and I, I just keep stuffing things into my life. And actually, I, if I was to allow some things to drop off my plate, there would be room for some other things, and I would be a much healthier Christian. And if, some, if no one is saying to me, why don't we explore why? I can just hide in this busyness thing. I'm not being helped. Or it could be, actually, it's not to do with external things, business. What it could be to do with is actually, it's just, you know what? I've, I care way too much what people think of me. And so I know I want to talk about Jesus. And I really want people to know about him because he's amazing. But what if they reject me when I say I'm a Christian? Actually, what I'm really worshipping is what people think of me. And so I have that conversation and say, right, let's pray into that. Because you get into the heart of the thing now. 
Yeah, and you pray into it, and then next week we go again. How's that going? So, well, what, and then we say, what are we going to do about it? So then I say, do you know what? In between now and next time we meet, I'm I am going to step out at some point this week and put my heart on the line and tell someone about Jesus. Next time we meet, how's that going? Did you do that? No. Why didn't you do that? Or yes, and we rejoice together. Yeah, it's 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 now that you think, well, this isn't complicated, is it? But actually, we can neglect it. And, and accountability can be done in two really bad ways. The first way is this. It's basically, it's just con- trying to control one another's lives. It's horrible. So I decide what you should be like and keep asking you whether you're being like it or not. It's just ugh. suffocating, horrible, nasty, abusive. No, 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 no. What's happening is I'm saying I, I want to be more open about Jesus. I'm inviting you to help me. Right, so that's the first. Thing. I'm inviting you. The other one way is is that once I've invited you, there's actually no response. I've said I want you to help me, but you never talk about it anymore. It's non-accountability. So I've opened up my heart. I've said, look, I really want to grow in this area. You've all said, okay, great. We're, but no one ever then says. I've had this so many times. Actually, there have been times I've said to people, I'm really struggling in this area of temptation. I've brought up an area that's really hard to talk about because it's embarrassing, shameful. I feel, oh God, I feel really embarrassed that I'm struggling. But I've said, look, I actually don't feel safe right now. I feel like, you know, this is, I'm in a tough season here. Can you just walk with me? I'm not expecting, you know, I've got to take responsibility, but just walk with me on this. And then maybe I meet them in a month's time. They don't even ask. I just feel, you know what? I don't, I don't want to keep bringing this up. <laughs> I brought it up. That was your invitation. Please, can you say, how's that going? Do you, do you see what I mean? It's actually loving. And so I'm just trying to kind of encourage a robust, a robust but kind of liberating approach with each other where we're giving one another permission. And then once we've been given permission, we're saying, I'm going to walk with you in this. And I'm going to help. That's accountability. Now, it's, it's so appropriate because the Bible says that we are accountable creatures. All of us will give an account of our life before Christ. Every one of us, whether we're believers or not, will stand before the throne of Jesus Christ and give an account for our lives, what we've done, the things we've done in the body, good and bad. How foolish not to build accountability into our lives now when we are going to face him and give an account. How foolish is that? I, I, want, to be, I want to be kept straight. I want to be kept in a good place so that, I, so that when I look at Jesus, I just say, Jesus, by your grace and by your mercy alone, I availed myself of every good thing you gave me, every brother and sister you gave me, so I was able to live a life with no regrets. And we'll high five and he'll give me some rewards and then I'll throw them back at his feet because they're all, they're all for his glory anyway and it'll just be a big celebration. That's what I want. That's what, that is what I want. I want... I want swinging from the chandeliers. I, 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 want, I want the good stuff. I want the good stuff for me and the good stuff for you. And so it's so wise now that we just say, let's just build this in in preparation for the great day. We don't want to bury our head in the sands. It's going to be an awesome day. In every meaning of that word, it's going to be awesome. There'll be, there'll be trembling, but there'll be delight. But you know, we've, got to, we've got to prepare for that day. Listen, you may be sitting there thinking, are you serious? Do you really believe in that? Absolutely with my whole heart. And I don't think it's crazy. I was talking to someone when we went out on to the, in the streets of Norwich the other night. I was wild. It was so great. It was so great. We're singing and people are just coming out of the shops, out of their houses to listen. And make. People got, I prayed for a guy in a nightclub queue it, um, 
Jesus went along this queue, just saying, do you want to talk about Jesus? Do you want to talk about Jesus? And one guy prayed for him. He seemed like his knee, his knee got healed um, from an injury. I mean, it was an amazing time. But I remember a conversation with a guy who's saying that his whole idea of judgment and accountability is crazy. And I'm saying, it's not crazy. You see it all around you. Look at how life works. Someone does something well, they get rewarded. Someone does something wrong, they get taken to court. And then there's judgment. It's just, it's so normal. It's so natural. And it's a reflection of spiritual reality. There's nothing weird about it at all. We are morally accountable creatures. It's all set up in our society. But it's beyond that. We are accountable to him. It's just a reflection of heavenly reality. It's this, this is the real stuff. There is a day coming when Jesus Christ will return and make all things new. He will make all things new. And you get to populate that new creation. It will be as physical as this creation. It's not. There will be clouds, but you won't be sitting on them. Okay, it's, it's, it's new heavens and new earth. It will be as, as, as real, it will be realer than, than this. Okay, so it's, don't get into a weird mode, real. Okay, but gloriously beyond what we could imagine. All the dark stuff gone, all the mourning, all the tears, all the disease, all the death gone. Because that all came in the world through sin. Jesus dealt with sin at the cross and he's going to make his final victory over sin um, completed at his return. We want to get ready for that day. That's what we're living for. That's what we're living for. And I'm laboring the point because I'm, I just actually feel, even as I'm talking in the room today, there's just there's some cynicism maybe in some minds about this. Um, it just can just creep in. And I'm kind of pushing quite hard because actually it's really important that, that, that you know that there is a day coming, a day of recompense. It's a day of recompense. Jesus says, my reward is with me. My recompense is with me. Things done well and things done bad. Now, it's so important that, that, that we understand this so that we take it seriously and that we, we respond. So prayer, accountability, Bible. It's a great idea in running partners to say, what, what book should we read this month? Let's just, let's just go through the, one of the books in the Bible this month. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Psalms. Let's go through and let's just talk about what God's speaking to us about. And what happens is through that, you just learn to communicate very, very naturally with one another talking about the Bible, which is a great culture to adopt, to adopt and to develop. If as Christians it's weird talking about the Bible, and there's something weird about that, <laughs> it should be the most, most natural thing in the world to be able to talk, what's God saying? What's God saying in the scriptures? So it's a really important thing that we learn to talk naturally around this. What's the spirit been stirring in you? What's God speaking to you? What's jumping out? What are you grappling with? What didn't you understand? Let's find out more. What didn't you understand? Let's look up commentaries and find out what that means because some of the scriptures are mysterious and, and hard to understand. So that's a really, really big one Well, big one as well. And another thing to say, and this is, this is one that often goes, so you've got accountability, prayer, Bible, and then mission. Now mission is this, the, 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 the fact that we, have not, we are not allowed <laughs> as Christians to hide this amazing gift we've been given. Okay? We've been given forgiveness as a gift. Right? All the stuff we've done wrong it's been totally cleansed our conscience has been cleansed from it because of the cross we don't get to hide that now you don't impose it on people but you certainly don't hide it you can't force it on someone but it's it's not appropriate either to just keep it to yourself and so it's really important that we're helping each other saying look where are the people of peace in, 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 in your life? Have you heard of this phrase for people of peace? It's basically when Jesus sent out his disciples on a little missions to pray for the sick and to preach the good news, he said, find a person of peace. Find, basically find someone who, who, is, who is open and warm to you 
um, as a believer and stay with them and then, you know, just let, let God work in their life. So there's always people that God puts in our lives who are just open to hear more. Well, then just tell them more. Share your life with them. It's, it's, not, it's not weird. It's not underhand. It's not manipulative. It's nothing, there's nothing about it that's inappropriate or wrong. Okay? We're, not trying to, we're, not, we're not trying to coerce people into things. No, no, no. The Bible says actually we speak. We speak the truth before God with a clear conscience. We're not salesmen. I'm not trying to get people to buy into this thing. Okay? But what we are, what we are doing is, is to witness in what has Jesus done in our lives. Just share it. Just don't be selfish with it. And it's important that we help one another to remain um, with a good, healthy focus on those who don't yet know Jesus, praying for them and sharing Christ with them. It's so important. Um, Jesus' plan for reaching the world is through his church. That's his plan. And that, that involves the church living well. Because when you don't live well, then you end up dragging his name in the dust, don't you? People look on and say, I don't want anything to do with that. Look at, look at people who go by his name. It's heartbreaking. So we, have to, we live well with integrity before him. We love one another. You know, we love to serve the poor. You know, we, we use our resources well. We, 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 we live in a godly way. It's really important. But that we, also but that we let those things be a signpost to where we're going. This is because of Jesus, what Jesus has done, and we share that. God will honour that. So it's important that we have these ingredients in our running partnerships and that we um, don't let them go inwards. These things are so, so important. Um, I want to just end with one thing that's not in my notes uh, at all, but it's quite a funny uh, illustration maybe that will help us. And uh, um, it's, about, it's about going for the right destination. Um, if you're here as a Christian, you want you to go for the finish line well. Okay, we need to go for the what is the race marked out for you, and go for the finish line. Well, we really want you to do that, um, and know what what is God calling you to do. If you hear someone you don't yet know the Lord Jesus, maybe you're here just to find out a bit more. Maybe you got dragged here. Who knows? Um, so, what ask you? Well, ask you: Have you ever considered the fact that Jesus has a destination for your life? That Jesus actually does love, love, know you, love you, care about you, and has a destination for your life, has a purpose and a plan for you. Um, we really want you to consider that. If you end up in the wrong destination, um, you're in trouble. You may not be able to see my hands or not. See, my, my hands don't look too good. See those? I'm currently carrying about um, 200 plus gnat bites on my body, probably maybe up to 300, because I ended up in the wrong destination. I went on a camping trip with my son and my brother, and we arrived at 3 in the morning, and we were wild camping, which means you just camp wherever. We were wild camping. So we'd found this forest by a lock in Scotland, camped down there at 3am, not realising there was a swamp. And uh, at 5am we said, we've got to get the heck out of here. And ran for our lives to the Lake District. <laughs> Got to the right destination. <laughs> um, but these are these as a result of, of being in the wrong destination. I've got 123 on my back, and a gap that big between my pants and my top, where I was sleeping outside of the sleeping bag. Um, my, brother, my brother's got 107 on his face. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. But um, I haven't got them on my face because I went into my sleeping bag the other way. I put my head in first. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. But we got to the, we, were, we were at the wrong place. <laughs> Agreed? It was the wrong place. Um, this will stick in your head. When we, got to the, when we got to the right place, we had a real good time. 
camped by a lake. Lakes are better than locks, in my opinion now. Uh, swam in the lake, went fishing, built a raft, all the good stuff. We were in the right destination. Um, it's so important that you head to the right place. It really is. It's a funny, silly illustration, but I really, if we, if we don't know where we're going, we don't know where you're going to end up. And I want to urge and encourage us as we round up this Running Partners series, go for the prize. Go for the best. Come on, we get one shot at this. It's not a rehearsal. The Bible says that it is destined for man to live once and then comes judgment. Reincarnation is not true. Okay? You are you. You have existed in God's heart from eternity, but you will only be you. But you are a creature made for eternity, so you will exist forever, one place or another. Okay? You will exist forever, in heaven or in hell. It is as serious a deal as that. Okay, now the Bible says that our eternal destiny is secured through the work of Christ on the cross because our sin was atoned for there. And the wages of sin is death, which means hell. Our sin was atoned for. So as we genuinely trust in Christ, not just believe some fact, facts about it, but trust, which means put, you put your weight on. As you bear your weight, your entire weight on him and entrust yourself to him, you are forgiven and granted eternal life as a gift. As a gift. It's not a reward, as a gift. Okay? So you, you, you're, you're, you're a winner from the start. But actually, from that point then of being made alive in Christ, there is this call to absolutely go for it. That he has given you gifts, that he has given you talents, that he has given you spiritual gifts, and he says, employ them for the maximum glory to him and for the good of his people. Employ them. Go for it. So that when you stand before him, you will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Don't you want to hear those words? I want to be honest with you, I live for those words. I live for those words. Those that has what has kept me from moments where I could have been a real idiot. It's that. My, my ambition is to please him. That's apostolic ambition. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians something. 5 verse 9. We make it our ambition to please him in all things. That is fullness of life. Knowing that you've pleased the heart of God. You've gone for it. So I want to encourage you with this, brothers and sisters. Let's do it. Let's not hold back. And let's not fear making mistakes. Amen? Fear mistakes can get you in such paralysis. And when Mike Betts, the leader of our family of churches, was with us, he said that's one of the things he picked up. You're all so gifted. You're all so, you know, amazing. But there's just this slight timidity, slight reticence. Let's throw it off. Let's have a go. Let's be gracious to one another so we can learn from our mistakes. Not, not kill each other when you make them. Be kind to each other. Be gracious, and then we will grow into all he wants us to be. Amen? Amen? Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet? I'll pray. Band's going to come back. We're going to break bread. We're going to get around the cross again, celebrate. Please come down to the space if you want to use that. I'm going to lead us in prayer. Father, I just want to just say thank you. Thank you so much, Lord, for the way that you uh, accept us in Christ. Thank you that we haven't got to come and go through 101 steps 
but that Jesus so fully obeyed you in every way and has made a way open for us now that we can come boldly as we are. Thank you so much for the way you draw us in, for the way that you welcome us, for the way, Lord, that we can be who we are. We haven't got to try and put on spiritual religious masks and shows. We haven't got to change our voice. We haven't got to change our clothes. We haven't got to start acting in an odd way. Thank you. We can come as we are into your presence. And because of the blood of Jesus, we are welcomed. Lord, that is incredible. That is great news. That is gospel. Thank you for the gift of forgiveness. Thank you for the gift of a clean conscience. We haven't got to live with skeletons in our closet thinking, when am I going to be found out? Thank you, God that you have found us out and you've actually shown us mercy instead of judgment. You've cleansed us and you've made us your own and you said, come on, we're going to go forward together and the future's bright. Lord, such mercy and kindness you have shown us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for the way you give us your spirit who speaks to us and guides us and convicts us and keeps us in a good place. Thank you for one another that you don't, you don't put us in a little corner and say, figure it out. You give us brothers and sisters in Christ who are going to encourage us and get around us. Lord, you are so kind and generous to us and we want to honour you, we want to lift your name up, we want to bless you and thank you, we want to walk with you and run with you we want to go on adventure with you Lord, we want it all, Lord we say we want to come hungry and full of faith and say we want all that you have for us and so help us Lord we pray, thank you you've delivered us from small little lives centred around ourselves, thank you you've delivered us from small little lives centred around wrong causes that will never fix fix the problem, thank you Lord you've delivered us from lives of worshipping created things so now we can worship the creator we are so grateful to you you have liberated us and we bless and honor your name amen